0: the truth news network the woke agenda is collapsing cancel cultures (laughs) pushback is happening in the schools and state legislatures because the people have had it so the lie is not working now all they have is force and you need to protect yourself you need to see the real picture you need the truth and we're the truth news network with dan newman Lots and lots of things out there to see today, to hear today, to talk about today. And we're going to get into all of that, and we are going to the southern border. Well, wait a minute. Joe Biden is going to the southern border. Donald Trump's going to the southern border today as well. Are we going down there with them? Well, it wouldn't make much difference. You're not going to hear anything credible come out of the mouth of this guy that created the entire border debacle that is ripping this nation apart and costing us trillions of dollars, something that we will probably never 100% get over, get through it unscathed. It's just not going to happen. Too many moving parts. And of course, we're all confident now. We know for sure Joe Biden has no issues health-wise at all. Cognitive ability, he's sharp as a tack. According to his press secretary, Joe Biden takes a cognitive test every day. Well, if it's the same testing that I'm looking at that she's referencing, he's not cognitive ability. He has none of that that justifies being president of the United States. So many things going on. Private testimony yesterday with Hunter Biden before a bunch of different uh, Republicans and Democrats in the House of Representatives. A lot to weigh in on what came from that. We also have a one-on-one interview between Brian Kilmeade of Fox News and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. A whole bunch of other stuff in between, before, after, and around it's going to be a busy day here, and I want to say thanks for joining us. We're going to have a good Thursday, but let's relax a bit first, okay? Oh, island sounds. This is a guy named Kenny Rankin.
1: Sunday afternoon, we really couldn't get away too soon. I can't imagine anything that is better. The world is out whenever we're together. There ain't a place I'd like to be instead Of moving down a crowded avenue Doing anything we'd like to do There's always lots of things that we can see Can't be anyone we'd like to be And all those happy people we could meet Let it rain. get away too soon We'll keep on spending sunny days this way We're gonna talk and laugh all the time wait, wait, wait. I feel it coming closer day by day Life would be ecstasy
0: Songs that just makes you want to kind of tap your toes and whistle along or relax and think of somewhere on the beach with palm trees and those drinks that you get with the little umbrellas on there. It's not so much about the drink itself, it's just the environment in which you sit calmly and sip on a drink like that. I'm not I'm not saying I'm looking for a drink this early in the morning, especially. But anyway, we're here together. It's always good when we are together here at TNN Live. Thank you so much for being a part of this. You know, there's been something going on behind the scenes this past week that I haven't even touched on. Many of you know that um, I had to miss almost a full week of shows. And that's because I had a total reverse shoulder replacement of my right shoulder. I went into it doing as much research as I possibly could uncover and there's a bunch of it out there and the do's and don'ts, the good, the bads and all that kind of stuff. But they didn't really dig in every one of the stories that I read, YouTube videos, they're all over the internet about, you know, how do you do it? What is it? How do you survive? What's it going to look like after just everybody's got ideas and thoughts but you know one thing nobody weighed into a lot that has been a really big deal for me is how do you sit comfortably? And when I say sit, I'm sitting at our console in the studios, TNN Live Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana. And I've got a couple of big computer screens in front of me. And I'm sitting in a really comfortable chair. But guess what? It hurts like hell. <laughs> My shoulder you realize they ripped my old shoulder out. That It's like they filleted my shoulder and then just started reaching in and pulling everything out and throwing it away. Now, I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty, but a reverse full shoulder replacement, what they do when it's the reverse piece, you know, in your shoulder, you've got a little cage that a ball fits into, and that's what makes your Shoulder be able to rotate like it does. When you get this surgery reverse, what they do is when they cut you open, they cut the ball off and throw it away. And they take the little cage that held the ball and they file it down flat. And then they put a titanium plate there. And then this is the fun part they take a titanium shaft that has a titanium ball on the end of it and they drive that down through the bone in your arm with the ball sitting up top and it rotates inside that little uh titanium plate that they put over there that's kind of hollowed out they, they they tell you that stuff but they don't give you all of the details what's the most important detail about this it hurts <laughs> and my lawyer, one of my longtime good friends, had the same surgery. <clears throat> when he found out I was having it, he could call me one day. And when I answered the phone, he just started laughing. <laughs> Man, what are you laughing at, Marshall? And he said, well, I heard you're going to get a reverse shoulder replacement. I just want to tell you, I had it. And I knew he had shoulder surgery, but I didn't know what type it was. And he said, you're going to feel pain like you've never felt in your life. Well, thank you, my friend, for sharing that with me. And everybody's got ideas of what to do, what not to do, things that make it better. You don't think about a lot of things if you've not been through it. And one of the big things, obviously, is using the restroom. Well, I lost the whole use of my right shoulder for an extended period of time. And you got to have a hand free. (laughs) You know exactly what I'm talking about. So his fix was get a bidet, a bidet. I'm not going to go into the details, but I'll tell you, we got a bidet and it works wonderfully. It's a little bit awkward, um, but it works really well. And there are all kinds of little bitty tidbits out there. But the one thing they say is you're going to feel so much pain. And at first, of course, what they do before they even put you to sleep, they put a block in the top of that shoulder that is a nerve block so that for at least 24 hours after surgery, you're not feeling any of that pain. And what they're really doing that for, and they never tell you this, probably wouldn't admit it, they don't want you to wake up and hurt like you're going to hurt eventually while you're still at the hospital. They want you to not feel pain until you get home. As bad as the pain is, I will just say this. I feel better already. I'm a week and three days out from the surgery. I'm feeling pretty good. And I'm telling you that story to kind of uh, point out a, a narrative that I wanted to share with you. When you get in situations like this, when your circumstances that you've you've been plugged in for a long, long time, maybe it's a job, it's a relationship, your family, where you live, you get accustomed to all of these things. And when outside circumstances begin to impact those things and they don't feel right because they're so different than they usually are, it makes you uncomfortable. And let me warn you about this. When you hit 70, It even makes you more uncomfortable because you find your glide path as early as you can when you hit that particular decade, decade of the 70s. You want to make sure that you've got as much as possible all lined up and all the issues taken care of, the T's crossed, the I's dotted, so there are no unexpected hiccups. Well, We have a guy in the White House that hadn't quite figured that out yet. Now, how are you going to segue from a shoulder replacement into talking about Joe Biden's cognitive disabilities? Well, you'll be glad to know he doesn't have any. His doctor yesterday gave him a sparkling vote of confidence for everybody to understand Joe Biden is 100% ready for the job. Weeks after special counsel Robert Hur presented the state of Biden's mental faculties as a reason not to charge him for mishandling classified documents, and a little more than a day since those issues manifested in a 25th Amendment resolution, the president told the press Wednesday he's headed for his annual physical. With a to-go cup in one hand, this octogenarian president marched out of the White House to jump on Marine One on the South Lawn, wave to the press and announced, I'm going to Walter Reed to get my physical. The appointment with the White House physician, Dr. Kevin O'Connor. By the way, every previous White House doctor, when they check and do an annual checkup with a sitting president, It's customary for the doctor to come out and speak to the press and even take some questions. Well, that didn't happen. O'Connor wrote something and released it like a press release. That sounds fishy, doesn't it? Why? Probably because it is fishy. Meanwhile, Colorado Rep Ken Buck, a Republican, introduced a resolution Monday of this week that read in part, calling on Vice President Kamala Harris to convene and mobilize the principal officers of the executive departments of the cabinet to activate Section 4 of the 25th Amendment and declare President Joseph R. Biden incapable of executing the duties of his office and to immediately exercise powers as acting president that's a little caustic don't you think extreme well i don't know every day it seems to be getting worse and worse and worse and then you get this thrown out there where you know it is not anywhere close to being factual that joe's in great condition mentally or physically in particular, Buck, that lawmaker, had made reference to the president's press conference following the release of Special Counsel hers report as one of many examples of cause for concern by every American. Whereas on February 8, 2024, during a White House press conference, President Joe Biden reassured reporters that his memory was fined, and then he referred to Egypt's President Abel Fattah al-Sisi, as the president of Mexico. He's not. <laughs> they don't even look alike. Numerous instances were articulated in that report have played out in full public view, showing Biden's apparent cognitive decline and lack of mental stamina. With the White House expected to release a summary of the physical exam's results later today, and with a majority of voters and a bunch of polls expressing concern about his age and how that should keep him from seeking a second term. Reactions over the unannounced trip to Walter Reed, reactions were skeptical. Not only of what the report would say, but how the Democrat Party would move forward based on the results. And so here's how they're moving forward. They ain't moving forward. They're stuck right where they were, and sadly, That means so are you and I. We have a president that is not in tip-top physical condition as his doctor reported yesterday. He did not take a cognitive test, or if he did, they didn't tell us about it. And certainly, he needed to be given one, but I understand why they wouldn't, or if they gave it and they won't talk about it, I understand that. This politicization... Of everything in our lives, especially in government, it's just gotten out of hand. You you and I both know this. I used to say, maybe they think we're stupid. They know we're not stupid. They know we're smart enough to see and watch and listen. In this age of 24-7 instant everything from Washington, we see and hear everything, almost all of it, live. We know what's going on. We can see the differences in Joe Biden. All you got to do is look back two years. Go grab a video right after he became the president. Any video, I don't care which one. And then compare the way he communicated in that video to the way he's communicating now, just two years later. It's shocking. You know, when you're watching everybody on a daily basis that are important to you in your lives. Not just politics, but your people in your circle of influence. When they progressively get different, maybe it's aging, maybe it's not feeling well, a bunch of different things, but if you're involved in them every day, you may miss the changes. But when you're not seeing, listening, and are hearing them every day, And then all of a sudden you've been gone for a few weeks, a few months, and then you integrate with him again and you go, oh my God, he's different now. Something's changed. Do you think there's more than you and I that have noticed this about Joe on the planet? Do you think Xi Jinping knows it? What about Vladimir Putin? What about the Mullahs in Iran? What about the crazy man in North Korea, Kim Jong-un? Oh, and by the way, there's another little issue that just popped back up overnight. Afghanistan. Afghanistan. We're being humiliated now on the world stage because of the actions of Joe Biden and the way that he pulled our military out of Joe Biden right after he was elected president. The Taliban have made a big deal out of it. Guess what they're doing now? All of the people that are bad, according to them, those would be anybody that worked with the American people over those 10 years that are still in Afghanistan. They're taking them every Monday to an outdoor arena, and they're executing them publicly. Would they be doing that if Donald Trump was still president? No. We wouldn't have pulled out if Donald Trump was still president, and things would be peaceful in Afghanistan, much more so than they are now. And there certainly wouldn't be public executions happening. But Trump's not there. Joe Biden is. And I guarantee you, if somebody told him about yesterday's or the days before's executions In that arena, he doesn't remember it today. But they're still trying to pull the wool over the Americans' eyes. They're buying time. It can't be for any other logical reason, because there is no logical reason for doing this. But we've got to make changes in our government. From the top down, we've got to make changes massive changes in a lot of areas. It's close to being too late to get any substantive things done. The longer we go, the more entrenched in this new ideology out there, which is basically, don't even think about the rule of law. Don't even worry about the Constitution. Don't even think about, don't give one thought to doing the right things just because You're supposed to do the right things. Everything that is happening in D.C., from the White House to a guard shack outside of the Capitol building, everything that is being done is based on a political perspective. And right now, the only political perspective that matters and on which decisions and choices are made are those that come from the far left and the United States government. Joe Biden's not running the nation. Obviously, the Republicans in the House and the Senate aren't either. So who is? Who's running the nation? Who's calling the shots? We could speculate, but that won't do a bit of good. Today, we're going to spend a little time at the southern border, Obviously, Joe Biden's going to one little peaceful spot right now at the southern border, Brownsville, Texas, where there are less than three dozen immigrants that have showed up there (laughs) this month. He chose to go there. Donald Trump's going today to the southern border, but he's going to Eagle Pass, where tens of millions of illegals are coming over it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I wonder if Joe really understands that he's going to the southern border and why he's going and what he's supposed to do. It will not be substantive. It can't be because he can't be substantive about that. And this is not just Dan Newman and TNN Live talking. Polls now show the public disagrees with Joe Biden's media magnified campaign trail claim that Republicans are the bad spoilers in our border security. He's going to make the claim in a national television audience. He's going to get a lot of airtime to make his claims, partly because Trump is also holding campaign events at the border today. Every day between now and November, we American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. That's what Biden promised. Unfortunately for him, 57% of 2022 registered agree with Trump's criticism of the establishment's February pro-migration border bill. That's according to a February 21st-22nd poll by the Harvard Center for American Political Studies and the Harris Poll. A February 8th-12th poll by Monmouth University showed 47% of 902 adults dismissed the establishment bill as not tough enough. That Monmouth poll also asked this. Who is more responsible for blocking this bill? The Republicans in Congress, the Democrats in Congress, or both parties equally? Only 36% blame Republicans. 13% blame Democrats. 48% blame both parties equally. Now, what's playing into this? There's been so many things playing into it, and they purposely have kept our attention just conflated across the world, watching, looking, listening for so many different things that we really don't have time to get into the ins and outs, the whys and why nots, and the contents and what the opportunities are to fix our southern border debacle. His, Joe Biden's, his migration inflow of more than 6.2 million economic migrants has deeply damaged his re-election chances. That's according to a a Gallup report. Biden registers subpar approval ratings for his handling of five key issues facing the U.S., including a new low of 28%. So all these polls, when they're put together, American people are waking up. We now know, Bidenomics is a, a farce. Not only is it not helping us, it's costing us dearly. His southern border policies are destroying the fabric of our nation, making it almost impossible to live a normal American life for regular, everyday Americans. These polls make it unlikely that Joe Biden can shove any blame for his migration disaster in the Republicans' lap for three years. The public has watched how Biden deliberately dismantled Trump's border protection in his first couple of days in the White House. His deputies have now welcomed one illegal or legal migrant for every American born during Biden's term in office. Biden is also claiming the GOP sabotaged border security. How'd they do that? They rejected the pro-migration border deal secretly developed in the Senate by Democrat and GOP leaders. But the secretly drafted pro-migration bill was denounced by many Republican legislators, including House Speaker Mike Johnson, even before Trump slammed the giveaway deal. And of course, everybody on the left is saying, "All." These MAGA Republicans are rejecting our bipartisan border security bill. Why are they doing that? Because Donald Trump told them to. The establishment bill included much fine print that minimized border barriers, mandated catch and release for job-seeking arrivals, and even created an asylum highway overseen by who? Pro-migration Bureaucrats. The bill was drafted by deputies working for the Senate leaders, Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, but it was immediately rejected by the GOP caucus. Help caused McConnell's February 28th announcement, he's going to give up leadership, his minority spot in the Senate. Despite Biden's claim that the bill was needed and popular, polls show the bill's easy migration rules are deeply unpopular. Here's an example. You know, never let facts get in the way. Never concentrate on details. Just listen to the left. Listen to the Democrats in power and their lapdogs called legacy media, mainstream media, whatever you want to call them. Here's an example. The Harvard poll showed 71% of respondents agree that the administration should make it tougher to get into the U.S. illegally. And by the way, that 71% number included 56% of Democrats. The Harvard poll also showed that 57% said the Biden administration already has the legal power it needs to address the border security and immigration issues. They already have it. Every time that's been mentioned, Joe Biden says, I've done everything I can do. It's those pesky Republicans. We want to work with them, but they tell us we, we're we not going to work with you because Donald Trump told them to. The 51% included 49% of Democrats, 60% of Republicans, 50% of Independents. Now, this migration issue, I bet you'll understand and believe this. It's getting increasingly difficult for Joe to dodge. He can't get away from it because of the rising crime by the many unidentified migrants welcomed by Biden's impeached, Cuban-born border chief, Alejandro Mayorkas. Those that responded in that Harvard poll said that immigration was the number one issue facing us. 36% score compared to 33% for inflation. 35% of independents, 51% of Republicans described migration as number one, the most important. 44% say Biden's biggest mistake? He created an open border policy and a historic flood of migrants. He created it. He initiated it. It's all in his lap. And it's not just me. 57% of Republicans, 47% of independents say that exact same thing. 59% said they strongly miss Donald Trump's policies on the economy, on immigration, and on crime. A clear 55% to 45% majority agree with Trump's opposition to the border bill. The cross-tab showed agreement from 87% of Republicans, 50% of independents, 28% of Democrats. Remember when Mayorkas bragged about it ending nearly all of Trump's immigration policies back in 2021? We have rescinded so many Trump immigration policies, it would take so much time to listen to them, he said. When it wasn't election time, the Biden administration was proud to have an open border. The nation of Colombia has all of a sudden clamped down on the global migration from South America around Panama's Darien Gap jungle trail. In 2022, Mayorkas pushed Panama to let migrants avoid the long jungle trail and instead take boats to a U.S.-backed bus station way out in the jungle. Did you know that? Also, White House officials are now asking Democrats who run multiple sanctuary cities to help deliver criminal migrants to ICE for quick deportation. Joe Biden told ICE, Alejandro Mayorkas told ICE, don't cooperate with local law enforcement on any immigrants that they pick up. Don't accept them. And this turnaround, it just mysteriously and suddenly happened. It happened three years after Mayorkas announced that he would only deport migrants convicted of violent felonies. We welcome local law enforcement support and cooperation in apprehending and removing individuals who pose a risk to national security. That came from a White House staffer yesterday. When a local jurisdiction has information about an individual who could pose a threat to public safety, we want them to share the information with ICE. Mayorkas has continually explained he supports more migration because of his migrant parents, his sympathy for migrants, his support for equity between Americans and foreigners, His willingness to put his priorities above the law and the claimed needs of US businesses. This is just untenable. (laughs) You know, Joe Biden did all of what he did in contravention of the law. You do understand that. The law is very plain. Federal immigration law says anybody comes across the border illegally, they're immediately to be turned back, sent back to the nation from which they came. Now, I paraphrased it, but that's exactly what it says. Not handling that, those people that get in or come in illegally, they've committed crime, felony crime. And there are stiff penalties, first-time penalties, second time after that but it goes even higher up the ladder. Anybody that helps that process happen in any way, suborns it, assists it, opens doors, stops law enforcement from carrying out the job of executing the law, that immigration law, those same people are committing crimes in each case. Who would that include? Joe Biden, Alejandro Mayorkas, every member In this administration, the Biden administration that has been part of that process and has not stood up and said, no, we are going to enforce the laws. As long as these laws are on the books, that's the constitutional obligation of the American government, enforce the laws. If you don't like the laws, there's a process. Let's get Congress to change the laws, to make them better do the things that we want to do and see if there's enough consensus in Congress to make a new law and do away with the old one. They've ignored that process, and the reason is it's very obvious. You know what it is. I don't even need to say a thing. Congress won't do it because the American people want immigration laws. They want the southern border closed. And they want everybody, including Alejandro Mayorkas, who has now been impeached. will never get the Senate to pick it up, the majority Democrat Senates to pick it up and actually conduct a trial to see about kicking Mayorkas to the curb. But nevertheless, he has been impeached by the U.S. House of Representatives. It includes Joe Biden. These people must be held accountable, just like You and I should be held accountable if and when we break federal laws. That's just the way it works, and it's got to be done or our country is toast.
1: I pass through the trees.
2: I leave behind the mountains. I wave in the air, I fly over the birds, and I wish, when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with Ivy Tech engine, leave behind a better world. Hi, I'm Jet Williams. Even though I never knew my father, Hank Williams, his legacy taught me the meaning of lending a helping hand. That's why I support the Orphan Foundation of America. OFA is committed to providing education, mentoring, and a workplace readiness for thousands of teens aging out of the foster care system. With the help of OFA's support programs, these young people can go to college and trade school, graduate, and make the leap from foster care to success. To learn how you can help, visit Orphan.org.
4: Too
0: much spin on your plate? How about a diet of truth? Truth. The Truth News Network sets your table. And here again to serve it up is Dan Newman. Just a P.S. on what we were talking about, the Southern border stuff going on. Trump's presidential campaign, they released a brand new video this morning early highlighting the latest surge in crimes, particularly murders, being committed by illegal aliens ahead of Trump's visit later in the day to the U.S. border. The video provided by the Trump campaign interspaces clips of Trump from his famous 2015 presidential campaign launch speech where he talked about how Mexico and other countries aren't sending their best to the United States with clips of news coverage of illegal alien crimes. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. Remember, Trump said that, and that's in the video, a clip from when he first entered the political arena. It's coming from more than Mexico. They're bringing drugs. From there, the video cuts to news coverage of anchors talking about how traffickers are busier than ever and how hundreds of pounds of cocaine hidden inside rocks are being transported across the border and 300 pounds of narcotics seized, $400,000 worth of liquid meth, and the amount of fentanyl seized so far is enough to kill over 30 million people. We can update that statistics. The fentanyl that we have caught coming in since this all began is more than sufficient to kill every one of us in the United States. The video then cuts back to Trump saying illegal aliens are bringing crime into the U.S. before it switches to news anchors again, covering various murders, other crimes committed by illegal aliens. The first one highlighted is the murder of Lakin Riley, that 22-year-old student killed in Georgia. And not just killed, bashed in her head the illegal alien that did so. Then it highlights several other killings by illegal aliens of Americans, including the killing of 19-year-old Adrian Sophia Exum, the killing of 16-year-old cheerleader Elizabeth Medina, killing of five Americans, including a nine-year-old, the killing of a police officer by an illegal alien, and another illegal who killed a mother and son while driving drunk. Then it cuts back to Trump and he's talking about how rapists are coming into the country before cutting away to news coverage of anchors talking about various illegal aliens accused of rapes across the United States. Finally, the video cuts to Trump and his post-presidency talking about how Biden has made the border far worse than ever before. We had the safest border ever, and now we have the worst border ever. Trump said, and I mean anywhere. There's never been a border like this ever in the world. Now, let me just say this. You remember the big migration thing that happened from the shores of North Africa about six years ago? They went across the Mediterranean, and they went up through states that border the Mediterranean up into Central Europe. I was in Switzerland for 30-plus days when that was going on. And I must be honest and tell you that it tore Europe apart. They had no expectation, no idea of what was going to happen to the infrastructure of their countries and criminality. I remember one story. It was a, a video. I forget which German city it was, but it was one of the big ones. It, it I can't remember which one it was. But it was at about, I guess, 11 o'clock at night. And it was a big scene in a downtown area of that city. And there were illegal aliens. And guess who they were? This will also kind of tickle your understanding when I tell you. This is six or seven years ago. They were all young men. They all came from those Muslim North African countries. They were going door to door, breaking down doors, dragging German women out on the streets and raping them in public. The German government did their best to cover it up. I wouldn't have seen it if I hadn't been in Switzerland next door to Germany. And it was just a freaky thing. But it was inspiring to me to watch as then this thing transitioned to the United States, and it's exactly the same thing. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of good people that want legitimate good lives for themselves and their family members that they see they will never be able to get in their country. I hate that for them. I do. I hate it. I'm so grateful, so thankful to my God and my parents that I was born in the United States, I'm an American citizen, our kids, our grandchildren, and now one great-granddaughter? Wow! (laughs) I'm a a great-grandpa. That we're in the United States, and it comes with all of the good opportunities for me. No guarantees other than my government My constitution guarantees me the right to be able to do anything and everything I want to within the law to achieve the goals and objectives that I want to achieve for myself and my family. That's a treasure. You and I should never take that for granted because those people that are struggling to get across the southern border, not all of them, but some of them are legitimately worried for their lives. As I was getting ready to Into the studio to do this show today, Marianne was standing there. And I told her, I said this to her we take so much for granted. We're so blessed. And yet we watch as elected and unelected bureaucrats, elected officials, and unelected bureaucrats have created an environment where they consider themselves the arbiters of everything for the nation. They do whatever they want to do. When they get power, they use the power they have to get more power. And that means power over people. That means to accumulate, to come up with opportunities for themselves and those that they choose to bring along with them on whatever path they're going down. And so what's happening is we are watching this administration devour the rule of law, ignore the rule of law, hate the rule of law. And all of a sudden it's like somebody called Joe one night or maybe in the morning because he was obviously asleep. He can't hear the phone ring because of his uh, machine that he has to use because he's got a problem. But he doesn't have a problem, according to his doctor. He's in perfect health. All of a sudden, somebody told Joe, hey, things aren't going so well for you. This open border thing, the big monster has awakened and is angry and is looking for people that have put this whole immigration thing that's not even immigration, it's flooding through an open border. They're looking for all of the people responsible for that. They're going to kill them. They want them gone. They want them done. And all of a sudden, Joe Biden comes out and we've got to close this southern border. I can't get those Republicans to help me. We've tried hard to work with me, with them, but they refuse to. They won't even come to the table and talk. We've tried to negotiate. And every bit of that, every word of that is a lie. The only reason they're even talking about it now is because they're way, 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 way down in the numbers and the polls and the support of the American people, and it's not getting better. And so when they do these kinds of things, you got to understand nothing happens in a vacuum in Washington, D.C. Any news conference you hear, any speech you hear, any hearing that you ever watch, it is all prepared and planned, and the timing for it, it is all contrived. And they think we don't know that. That's the part that just proves to me how unrealistic it is for these people to say they are elected or appointed to represent the wants and needs of the American people. That's the last thing on their list of reasons to do what they're doing. How many times have you heard Donald Trump, Mike Johnson, other Republican leaders, Jim Jordan, in speeches? How many times have you heard on this show me say over and over again, them say over and over again, Joe Biden doesn't need another dime? He doesn't need another law. He can stop this mass flood of illegal immigrants into the nation with his own power today. He could stop it today. Here's an example of this. And by the way, that is the absolute truth. All he has to do is enforce the law and tell his people, enforce the border laws, period. No exceptions. The process has been there for decades. It worked under Trump better than it had ever worked under any previous president. And Joe Biden purposely, he wiped the slate clean the first day he was president and did away with all of those things that had put us in a really good place regarding not flooding the border with illegals, but going back to our Ill, our legal immigration process and re- reversing some things in it, fixing some things, but that's not good enough for them. They want to blow it up. Yesterday in a press conference, John Kirby. He was asked some questions about this listen to his responses
2: uh john just on the oval office discussions today (coughs) speaker johnson came out and and as he said before that you know southern border has to be addressed before um before ukraine aided funding um they are saying that this shouldn't be done legislatively more so that it should be done by rolling back executive orders or changing it from an executive perspective Uh, is that part of these discussions and is the white house ruling out undoing some of the executive orders from earlier on the administration? I'd say a couple of things. First, the president has taken executive action at the border, and, he's, and he certainly will continue to do so as appropriate and within the bounds of the law. He's also said yeah, that in order to make the changes, the fixes to border security, you've got to have new legislation. A lot of this has to do with capabilities, funding, I'm sorry, capabilities, uh, personnel, Uh, and and resourcing, infrastructure. You you, you can't just make that happen through executive action, all of that. You've got to have funding behind it, which is why the supplemental request was so important, and the one submitted in October included border security. Uh, And the president said months ago he was willing to have a discussion with the members of Congress about uh, border security. Border security was in the supplemental request, and we worked with the Senate to get a bipartisan deal arranged that – that – the Speaker said he absolutely insisted on, and then when it was delivered to him, he said, no, he didn't want it. So there would have to be a legislative component to this if, let's say, you know, Republicans just said In you can to- u- unlock Ukraine funding if you were to do something executive-wise on, on We Ukraine. were willing to have a discussion, and did with the Senate, about Border security and Ukraine funding, as well as Israel and the Indo-Pacific. That's, we're still willing to have those discussions. The, the speaker has to decide exactly what he wants to do here and then move out. He says he wants to act in a timely fashion on Ukraine. Well, let's go. Let's get them what they need. And the president is more than willing to have discussions about the border. Right, we wrap it up. Good.
0: What you just heard is an admiral ball-face lying to the American people and the American media, those that were in that press briefing. There is no need for any executive action to take care of 100% of all of the ills that are happening because he opened the southern border and that flood keeps coming with all of the nastiness, the illegality, the drugs, kid trafficking. We don't even have any idea about how many unaccompanied minors came across the border and we're put in the positions to go to these NGOs, non-governmental operations that are funded by U.S. taxpayers to place these kids in homes and families across the nation, we do know there are approximately 175,000 of them out there. You ask this government, hey, give us an update on the status of those 175,000 kids. And you know what they say? We don't have it. Do you realize that more than 100,000 kids that came across the southern border in Joe's plan, the way that he put it together to work, and there was no system that followed these children and made sure they weren't put in the hands of evil people, sold into sex slavery, slavery, They don't know anything about that. Does that sound like a plan? Does that sound like a leadership opportunity? <laughs> Where I come from in my life, we put our children first. We take care of our kids first. If we can't take care of our kids, we're not decent. We've really got problems that go far beyond needing to get across a border. And here he says, Joe Biden's done executive orders. He's done executive action. Yeah, he has. He used executive action to overturn the executive action that had been working so well initiated by Donald Trump. That's the executive action he's taken. Oh, and by the way, he took some executive action in doing away with billions of dollars of student loan debt. He did that illegally and it went all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court told him, you can't do that. You don't have that power of authority. That's not an executive actionable item. It has to come through the people's house. They think we don't know what's the content in that big bill that was supposedly the fix-all. Why would you try to do a southern border protection bill and include anything in it about Ukraine and Israel. But it's chock full of all kinds of wants of junk and money and stuff that is nothing, has nothing to do with border security. That's why the Republicans, they won't go for it. And they think we the people, John Kirby thinks, that what he said there that went live all over the world when he said it, that everybody's going to believe what he said. Joe Biden, he's taken executive action, but there's got to be support behind it. Do you know that if Joe Biden would take the executive action that he should have already done or never had to do it just because he never stopped doing what he took an oath to do, which is support and defend the law? He did not need any more money. In fact, he could reduce cost tremendously by just enforcing the laws that are on the books. Power and money. That's what it's all about. Let's talk a little bit about money. We'll get away from this stuff. Sudden border, it's over for the show today. (laughs) We're almost an hour in. We're done with it. Let's talk about money. What about core inflation for you and me? Did a little analysis yesterday. Did um, some economists and found some numbers that show prices are rising at the fastest pace in the United States in more than a year. Pace of price hikes faced by American households, accelerated in January to its fastest in a year. Obviously challenging the notion that high inflation is receding. In fact, they won't even say that. They're saying it's gone. Look, our inflation's going down. Our rate's going down. They are lying and telling the truth at the same time when they say that. They forget to tell you that it zoomed up 9% in the first few months of Joe Biden as president. And then it stopped going up, and it's coming back down incrementally, tenths of a percentage at a time. But to them, they think they can tell us, we're reducing inflation. They're not. It's far more than it was when Donald Trump left the White House. Personal consumption expenditure price index, known as the PCE price index, up 0.3% in January. Compared with a year ago, the index is up 2.4%, lower than the 12-month increase of 2.6% recorded in December. Year-over-year measures of inflation have been falling as the very high numbers from the end of 2022 and the start of 2023 drop out of the calculation. The Core Price Index, which excludes food and energy prices, I don't know why they do it because we can't exclude buying energy or buying groceries, we Americans can't do it, but anyway, they look at it, and supposedly it makes a difference. That index rose 0.4%. That's four times the downwardly revised 0.1% increase for the prior month. Over the last year, the core index is up 3%, a tick down from the 2.9% 12-month gain recorded in December. What is this? What's the... Summary of that, Dan. We are in tipping territory in our economy in the United States. And it's no big deal to anybody that lives in or around the Potomac Valley. People in Washington, D.C. that are working in the government, they've got theirs. They've got their stuff. They're not worried about the price of gasoline at the pump going up 25, 30, 50 cents, a dollar. They don't care about that. They've got government jobs. Their economy is sure. They don't care about the price of making a house payment and what has changed. They don't have to worry about having a problem needing to sell their home because they can't afford it anymore. They don't worry about not having another home to go into. Or when you go to find one, you find out rents, lease payments are up higher than they've been in decades. None of that matters. None of that matters. Just got some news a second ago, and it looks like it may be some good news. Hmm. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take another break during the break I'm going to dig in and find out what it is because I know you're just like me if there's any shred of any good news around I want to know about it because nothing I'm looking at's worth a flip in fact everything means to me like I might just need to go to the house go out on the back porch grab a six pack <laughs> and choke back my tears it's so bad That's up next. Just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But always get the truth about right and wrong here at TNN, the Truth News Network.
2: Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified, that we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well... It matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Keels, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you.
3: It's Super Salmon Days down at Fish Brothers. For a limited time, bring in any fish and get a child salmon entree free. You heard right. Bring in any fish and get a free child salmon entree. And I mean any fish. Got a swordfish lying around? Bring it in. Got a goldfish you're sick of feeding? Bring it in. Got a fish that's been sitting in the sun for a few days? Bring it in. We'll throw it in with the rest of them. What we do with the fish is nobody's business but ours. Just enjoy your salmon 8.99 with our famous stew. So, welcome on into Fish Brothers Seafood Theme Restaurant where everything's a great catch
2: except the shrimp.
0: Kind of like that sound. That's Timbaland, Sexy Back. I bet you didn't think I would have that in my treasure trove of music. I have thousands of different pieces of music. I'm a musician. I love music, always have, and I've got a broad taste for music. I went to a concert last night a really good concert last night. I just like music, and it can put you in a good mood. It can get you out of a bad mood. And honestly, sometimes you can listen to a sad song and get into a bad mood just by listening to that song. Good news that I was telling you about, it's not such a big deal, but it is kind of good. Bipartisan congressional leadership have come up with a deal to keep our government funded for the near future. Mike Johnson... House Speaker, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, other key negotiators released a statement describing the deal. Lawmakers reached an agreement on six different appropriation bills that legislators will vote vote on by March the 8th, the remaining six to be finalized and receive a vote by March 22nd. We're in agreement that Congress must work in a bipartisan manner to fund our government. The negotiator said first round of appropriations bills will adhere to the Fiscal Responsibility Act discretionary spending limits and January's top line spending agreement. House Appropriations Committee Chairwoman Kay Granger, House Appropriations Committee Ranking Member Rosa DeLauro, along with Senate Appropriations Committee Chair Patty Murray and Vice Chair Susan Collins, We're all involved in the negotiations and credited in the joint statement. The bills in the first round, what do they include? Agriculture, Food and Drug Administration, Commerce, Justice, Science, Energy and Water Development, Interior, Military Construction, Veterans Affairs, yada, yada, yada. We all know Congress has struggled for months to pass a full suite of appropriation bills in a saga that stretches all the way back to Kevin McCarthy getting ousted from the House speakership, that seems like it was years ago. It was only in October of last year. So it's not its not really good news, but at least it's not bad news. I mean, don't you think we've had enough bad news? I don't know. It just keeps coming. San Francisco, they've stepped up. They've joined what they're calling an atonement train. Amid an epidemic of crime and sex trafficking, San Francisco officials have taken the time to issue an unrelated apology to African American people. Specifically, San Francisco's 11 supervisors all voted in favor of a resolution yesterday To formally apologize to black people for decades of alleged racism and discrimination. Quote On behalf of the city and county of San Francisco, San Francisco Board of Supervisors offers its deepest apologies to all African Americans and their descendants who came to San Francisco and were victims of systemic and structural discrimination, institutional racism. Targeted acts of violence and atrocities. San Francisco joins another major U.S. city, Boston, in giving such an apology. Nine states have formally apologized for slavery. Let me, let me just point something out. The only, only reason I wanted to touch on this was to tell this is a dead-end thing. It has no teeth in it, no substance, It's basically trying to make somebody feel good about themselves. Is this something we need to do? I don't know of a person alive today that was an active participant on either side of the slavery issue, being a slave or owning any slaves. And when it comes to racism, We need to understand and accept the truth about this. Racism is just one mindset of the probably thousands, if not millions of mindsets that every human has the ability to adopt and make it theirs. Nobody's ever born a racist. That's not what makes racism happen. Racism is something that must be adopted, consciously adopted by individuals. Now, is racism real? No question about it. It is real. I'm going to blow some people away and tell you this. Racism is not exclusive to Caucasians. In fact, it may be true that the Caucasians in today's white America and other countries around the world are probably the least racist of any skin-colored person on the planet. Why is that? One reason, one reason only. We, the American people, not me, not you, not our parents, not our grandparents, maybe our great-grandparents and the great-great-grandparents, physically took racism slash slavery head on and at least legally in the United States got rid of it. It's called the Civil War. Well, Dan, you can't just wipe the slate clean with that. There were people that were slaughtered. They they lost everything. They were created equally by the creator, but they were never treated that way. They were abused, they were lied to, they were sold as chattel property. You can't just dismiss that, excuse me. I'm not gonna hold you accountable for the sins of your great, 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 great grandparents. It means nothing. It accomplishes nothing. And you have nothing to do with what they did. What you have to do with is how you handle not just racism, but all of the isms, all of the other things that are being strewn out in our marketplace of ideas, new ones coming up every day. I can't even keep up with the three-letter ones that come up. None of this is biologic. None of it is. It's all mental and emotional. Human beings have got to adopt it. Blow your mind. Civil war a lot of people died, right? Yeah, a lot of people died. A lot of African American people died. A lot of white Americans died. Did you know that 300,000 white American men died in the Civil War in their quest to unite and rid the nation of slavery? 300,000 white people died gave their lives for that. I don't think any of them were racist. Black people can adopt racism. Brown people can adopt racism. Jewish people can adopt racism. Anybody can. But also true is that you can do away with it. You can dig it out yourself, throw it away, and reject it for the rest of your life. If you so choose, it is a personal choice. For years, I owned an arena football team. Most of our players were African-American. Most football players in college and professional ranks today are African-Americans. And there was a whole segment in the Arena Football League of militant black people that hated anybody that was a white person that was in management or ownership of arena football teams. Why did they hate them? Because of skin color, because of racism. It didn't matter to any of those people what the facts were, what was done, what was created, what anybody invested or created or put together opportunities. They didn't care about that. It didn't matter what they were paid to play, paid to coach. None of that mattered. All that mattered was white people own most of those teams, and that means there's racism because no black people do. That very thing is is an example of racism. We need to stamp it out, but it's got to be one person at a time, one at a time. Now, I want to get into something, and I want to do it right now because you're going to hear an audio segment, probably, if not the most important, one of the top three important ones you're going to listen to uh, in the next year here. And it's an analysis of the Hunter Biden appearance yesterday in a closed setting with members of the House of Representatives both Democrats and Republicans in which they were a free fall they were all able to ask the questions that they wanted Democrats and Republicans now since it was a closed hearing we won't get there'll be a uh, there'll be a release of the script the manuscript, of the goings on in that committee hearing later, but we have to turn to and rely on some people that were actually in the room. You also have to remember members of Congress because this was a classified hearing setting. There are certain things that they can't get into the details of, but it was important for all of us as we have this big thing hanging over our heads, headed into the November election. Is Joe Biden corrupt? Is there such a thing, a real thing as a Biden family syndicate? Did they really take money from all of these foreign governments illegally? That's all being considered at this particular point. So this was a very critical thing that happened yesterday. And they got a bunch of answers for things they wanted to know. In fact, they got some answers to some things that were really important to them. So last night, Sean Hannity had James Comer, Jim uh, Jordan, and uh, Smith. He's the head of that other committee. Had him on last night, and they broke it down. You're going to want to listen to this whole thing. It includes a bunch of very important details, facts, and information.
5: Here with more on today's deposition, House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, House Ways and Means Committee Jason Smith. He's the chairman there. Uh, All right, James Comer,
3: let's start with you. Let's get your general impressions of the day. Well, I thought it was a very good deposition for us. Uh, We were able to confirm a lot of the wrongdoings. Uh, through Hunter Biden's testimony. uh, There are many financial crimes that we believe have committed, that were committed by the Biden family. Uh, Hunter was asked about specific transactions with specific LLCs that many of whom that I've uh, referred to as shell companies. Uh, We got his answer on the record and we're going to go back and and, uh, verify many of those things. But what we also learned today, Sean, was that a lot of what Hunter said was contradictory to what three of at least three of his former associates said. So I think the next phase now is to bring Hunter in for a public hearing and hear from the other Biden associates. And let's determine then who the American people think they're telling the truth because we've got the bank records. Bank records don't lie. We know the Bidens have taken in tens of millions of dollars from our adversaries around the world. And we still don't know after all these depositions, after all the hours of testimony from the Biden family, exactly what the Biden family did to earn the $30 million from our enemies around the world.
5: Well, oh, I think, Jim Jordan, that's that's a key part of the question here. Now, Hunter on his own laptop yeah. that was very real implicates his father. Half his income goes to pops. What account should I pay for dad's home repairs? Ten percent for the big guy. Then, of course, we have Devin Archer, not one, but 20 phone calls he testified to that Joe called in on with foreign business partners, then meeting Elena Batarina and others at the Cafe Milano, uh, the Russian oligarch foreign business partner. That seems to implicate the father in a major way. uh, And a big part of the testimony from what I read and and heard in my sources had to do with the fact that he just wanted to protect his dad under all circumstances here, in spite of what would be a lot of evidence to the contrary.
4: Yeah, I mean, Sean, the rules, uh, the House rules prohibit us in a deposition format from talking about specifics of that deposition until the transcript is released. But as Chairman Comer said, there were lots of things said today that evidence we've already got and witnesses we've already talked to contradict what Hunter Biden said. So we, we, but I do think the the maybe the best takeaway is we got a lot of good information I think would be a good roadmap for when, in fact, we do have a public hearing. But you're right. We already knew that it was phone calls, it was lunches, it was dinners, it was rounds of golf from the same White House who said he had no involvement whatsoever with his business and any of his business associates, but he engaged in all those activities. And we knew that, from previous witnesses that we've had a chance to depose,
5: and Jason Smith, he's basically basically saying that all his business partners lied, and he's the one telling the truth. Uh, but then I go back to what Congressman Comer just said. When you look at the bank records, when you look at what you've identified, what you've said on this program, and James Comer has said, uh, identifying ten Biden family members that got paid. OK, uh, well, what did they actually do? What services were rendered for the this massive amount of money of millions and millions of dollars? Did you ascertain that? Did you ascertain what Hunter did, how he was capable of doing it, con- considering he mentioned many times today his addiction? Can you tell us what is gr- the grandchildren that got paid, what they did for the money they got?
6: Sean, Hunter came up with numerous excuses. He first started out his opening statement, as you said earlier, that his father was not involved in his business dealings. Well, guess what? His business associates have testified differently. The two IRS whistleblowers that came before the Ways and Means Committee, their evidence proves differently. In fact, Sean, 327 different emails Proved differently. That was between Joe Biden, Hunter Biden and his business associates. Joe Biden was not just involved. He was a participant in these activities. All right. Let me let
5: me. I beg your indulgence, James Comer, for a second. Bear with me because as Hunter talked about MAGA motivated conspiracy theories and how he's been hunted in a partisan political pursuit of his dad and, and that you've been dealing in innuendo, distortion, sensationalism. Let me ask you about the case that I think most Americans know the most about, and that would be the case of Burisma, uh, the oil and gas giant out of Ukraine. Is it is was John Solomon's reporting correct that in October of 2015, it agency decision came down in the Obama administration that they would that that enough progress had been made regarding corruption in Ukraine that warranted a billion dollars in loan guarantees is that true in October 2015 I believe that was from an email from the John Kerry State Department yes Okay, next question. In December of that same year, 2015, have you confirmed and corroborated that a phone call took place with Joe Biden and Hunter when he was in Dubai with Burisma executives five days before Joe went to Ukraine? I believe Devin Archer testified that, yes. Let me ask the next question, because I think this is the key question. Okay, when Joe went there, didn't he brag before the Council on Foreign Relations that, in fact, he withheld, he said, you're not getting the billion unless you fire the prosecutor, uh, that Burisma was so concerned about when they wanted DC help, uh, and that's when he leveraged the billion. And they gave him six hours, and son of a b, that guy got fired. As a result of that firing, did Hunter continue to get paid uh, by Barisma Holdings uh, for work that he had no background or expertise in, at a time where he focused a lot uh, today on, at a time that he admits he was addicted to hard drugs? Is that That's all true? Exactly right. That's all true. How many shell corporations have you identified and have you noticed any other legitimate business activity in any of those accounts?
3: Sean I haven't found a, a, an LLC yet uh, other than his Owasco, which he said was his professional account which he charged all of the other LLC's legal fees for uh, he was a lawyer I don't know what legal fees he he performed but all the, the, at least 20 of those LLC's don't appear to have any assets they didn't have any website they didn't have you know the the, the uh, an office they didn't produce a good they didn't produce a service uh, they, they weren't involved in any type of manufacturing. They weren't licensed to be any type of lobbyist or consultant. So it it appears that 20 of those LLCs were in fact shell companies. A shell company, by definition, is a company with no assets, or no known purpose. Now, some of the companies he tries to claim uh, throughout uh, the course of this investigation were investment companies, but we released an email from a bank examiner that looked into one of these so-called investment companies and said, in an email from one bank examiner to another, this appears to be an investment company with no investments. I think that email pretty much sums up everything that that I've been able to uh, learn from all of these uh, different LLCs that the Bidens had. Jim
5: Jordan, let me go to the other oil and gas giant, this one out of China. Again, Hunter, no experience. Hunter claims the WhatsApp message was written when he was either high or or drunk. Uh, He claims now that in spite of what he wrote, his father was not there. First of all, uh, for somebody that was high or drunk, I'd say that was a pretty articulate message that was sent and pretty sophisticated on, on some levels. But he sent it. Is it true or not true that days after... That exchange, that millions of dollars was sent to one of the Biden family uh, bank accounts, is that true, Jim Jordan?
4: Yes, that's true. Uh, that's exactly accurate, Sean.
5: Okay, and, and explain before what that, that, Sean, means. in the spring of that, yeah.
4: yeah, in the spring, in the spring of that year, you had eight Chinese executives show up at the Four Seasons with Hunter Biden and his business partners. This is according to testimony from uh, uh, Rob Walker. And while they're at this lunch to close the deal, in comes Joe Biden for a drop by, a drop in. And he does a short speech to the group and then leaves. And then the deal gets sealed. Then the agreement gets finalized. And a few weeks later, Hunter Biden gets $3 million from this Chinese energy company. And then later that summer, the very thing you just talked about with the WhatsApp message is when the $5 million comes into Hunter Biden.
5: Okay, Jason Smith, in any of these business dealings where we're talking about tens of millions of dollars, um, can you, Hunter claimed, I guess, his background on a UN board, on an Amtrak board, his background as an attorney, but then again, when convenient, he seems to claim you know, that he was addicted at the time. Uh, Jason Smith, is there any services that you've identified that he offered any of these companies for
6: the massive amounts of money that they're talking about here? The only services that he offered to all of these companies was access to the brand and the brand is Joe Biden, his father. They sold access all over the world, the Chinese, Ukraine, Romania, you could name the countries in millions of dollars knowing that this is how you get to his father is through him.
5: Last question, uh, I'll ask Congressman Colmer and Congressman Jim Jordan. Um, A lot of people felt that Hunter got special consideration when you sent a second subpoena. Uh, I understand that this this deposition was not videotaped today. And you agreed to only three hours of the deposition on the Republican side. Um, What would you say? Was that consideration given to Peter Navarro or Steve Bannon that are both facing jail terms for contempt of Congress? James Comer.
3: Well, I think that we got a lot of questions in. You know, the, the, I think the deposition lasted longer than that. Jim may have a better idea. I don't know what the final count was, but the Democrats didn't use their full hour. The way the depositions work, we get an hour, then they get an hour. We took the full first hour. They took about 20 minutes the second hour. We took another full hour. They didn't take but maybe 15 minutes the second hour. And then we went uh, way past the third hour. So uh, I feel like we got a lot of questions in, but I'll yield to Jim Jordan and let him answer that. Jim?
4: No, no, Sean. Yeah, I, I think we had a, a good deposition today. As we said before, I think we got a roadmap for if, in fact, we have a public hearing uh, at some later point And, uh, you know, we we got these contradictory statements from Hunter Biden to all the witnesses and evidence we've gathered thus far. So we're going to continue our impeachment inquiry. Next week, we have Sally Painter, who was with this Democrat public relations firm that did work for Burisma. And then the week after that, we have a public hearing with Robert Herr on the classified document issue relative to Joe Biden mishandling all those classified documents over several decades that he did, according to the special counsel's report.
5: Last exit question, on a scale of one to 10, how damaging was today's testimony or deposition to Hunter Biden? Jason Smith, you go first. One to 10, 10 being the worst.
6: Well, I would say that um, they're pretty good at not recalling many things, so I would say an eight. OK, James Comer. i tell you an eight.
5: OK, Jim Jordan.
4: Yeah, Sean, 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 I think it was very good for us. As I said, I think we got a lot of information that we can use if, in fact, we have a public hearing As uh, Chairman Comer is talking,
0: you know, as I listen to that, I um, this is the third time I've listened to it. I listened to it last night, listened to it early this morning, listened to it again. It's so stinking obvious that there's all kind of shenanigans going on. It makes it even more obvious than ever before to me that there is a separate tier of justice in the United States for people like Hunter and Joe Biden. There may be more than two tiers. There may be three or four. I don't know, but whichever one is the lowest in priority would be the one that I live in. Many of you could say the same things. How could these people get by and skate through doing these kinds of things that are literally in our faces, seemingly not even really trying to hide them, bragging about them, and not be held accountable for doing it. To me, that very thing that that is actually happening in our faces today is far more critical than knowing that millions of people are flooding into our nation across our southern border. And we have no idea who they are, what they brought with them, where they're from, what their intentions are. I heard one Republican yesterday parrot that stat that I've given you again and again. 430,000 felony acts have been committed against Texans by illegals that have come across the southern border in two years, 430,000. And you see, because that didn't happen in Delaware or it didn't happen in, oh, I don't know, New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Think about that, 430,000. And that's okay with them. That's not sufficient to get this president to act. So what does he do? He just keeps on trucking. He does what he wants to do with whom he wants to do it for whoever and whatever he wants to do it. And it's not exclusive to Democrats. Don't ever get where you believe that is only one political party that's involved in it. If you heard yesterday, I told you about the dilemma that I'm facing now when I set up a conversation between Speaker Mike Johnson and Steve Baker, who's been on our show every Tuesday for well over a year, to talk about the videos, the capital videos, all of those thousands of hours of video that were taken on January 6th that Nancy Pelosi refused to release to the public. Kevin McCarthy said he would release it. He released at the very beginning and then immediately reached out and grabbed his permission slip and took it back in. Mike Johnson, when he became speaker, he told me and you live on air here at TNN Live that he had unilateral control over the release of those videos, and that he was going to release every one of them. Steve Baker told us that he's only released of 1,800 cameras worth, 1,873 cameras worth of video from that day. Mike's only released eight of those cameras the video from those cameras. Why is that? This kind of stuff didn't just start happening. That should scare you even more than it does the fact that it's going on. There are reasons for all of this stuff. That's what we need to be cautious about and be ever vigilant about, to watch and find the facts if and when we can. Now, I will have a chance to confront Mike Johnson for that, and I'll do it. In fact, I'll guarantee you, he has staffers that listen to this show. Wouldn't surprise me if I got a response to what I'm saying right now. I hope I do. I just want to be able to come up with a plausible reason why when he made it such a big deal, he told Steve Baker in those words, I, he said, have total control over release of all of those videos, and we are releasing every one of them. That was the week he was named Speaker, three months ago. Speaking of Mike Johnson, there is, we found out late yesterday, a contingent of renegade House Republicans that are working together to come up with a plan to cut the legs out from under Mike Johnson by going around him to force a floor vote on that Ukraine aid bill. This renegade Republican, Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, he's the ringleader of this effort to undermine Johnson by using a parliamentary maneuver known as a discharge petition to move an alternative version of the stalled Senate foreign aid bill to a vote in the House under the pretense that it also includes border security measures, and he gave CNN's Jake Tapper a progress report on this. Fitzpatrick is a former FBI agent, former federal prosecutor, And as cohort, Representative Jared Golden, a Democrat from Maine, joined Jake Tapper Tuesday on his show, The Lead, where he told the anchor that he has spoken with other GOP lawmakers about joining him on this soft push to get Zelensky his money while laughably denying he was undercutting Johnson. So, Congressman Fitzpatrick, Are the other Republicans that will join you, Tapper asked him. This is, as Congressman Goldman was alluding, this is a bold thing for you to do, brave of you to do. Are there other Republicans who will join you in going around Speaker Johnson to force a vote on funding for Ukraine? There is, was the response. In fact, I spoke to several just last night, Fitzpatrick answered. And I wouldn't necessarily phrase this Jake as going around anybody denying that he was backstabbing the Speaker. This is just to add a pressure point. You know, the politics are very, very tough. As you are well aware in the House, there's a two-vote margin in the House for Republicans, a two-vote Democrat margin in the Senate on very, very tough existential time-sensitive issues. We're not trying to circumvent or end-run anyone, he insisted. Quite the contrary. We're trying to put an additional pressure point on something that has got to happen. As you know, Jake, I used to live in Ukraine. I was an FBI agent in Kiev. I just got back from Kiev a few days ago, noting his deep ties to notoriously corrupt country and his talks with its leader. So you said that you can have... You have talked to Republicans who are willing to sign the discharge petition. Can you name any of them? That's Tapper. No, I'd rather not. I'm going to keep our conversations private out of respect for them. According to the Congressional Research Service, quote, Discharge is generally the only procedure by which members can secure consideration of any measure without cooperation from the Committee of Referral or the majority party leadership. And the Committee on Rules. The bill slightly downsizes the payout to Ukraine to $47 billion, shaving $13 billion from the Senate bill, and also includes money for Israel, as well as the Indo Pacific, along with reinstating the remain in Mexico immigration policy for one year, which Joe Biden could do with a stroke of his pen. During another media appearance, Fitzpatrick shamefully invoked the name of 22-year-old Georgia medical student Lakin Riley, who was brutally murdered last week by one of the criminal illegals who was allowed into the country as a result of Biden's policies. We lost, he said, we lost Lakin Riley in the past seven days. And in the past seven days, 200 families had to bury their kids because of fentanyl. So what our bill does is it combines border security with this foreign aid, both existential. Fitzpatrick told CBS's Face the Nation host Margaret Brennan. And we are forcing this bill to the floor to make sure that everybody acts because as Zelensky said, they only have weeks, not months, to get reinforcements on the front lines. To Johnson's credit, and I'm, I'm saying this right now myself. He's hung tough on the Ukraine giveaway while there are far more pressing issues at home. But his own caucus, the Republican Party in the House, is full of snakes who are just about to reach out and bite our friends. Man, I wouldn't want to be in Congress for anything. More, more, more in this foreign flood of people coming to the nation. A Honduran illegal immigrant in my state was arrested yesterday for raping a 14-year-old girl, stabbing a man over and over again during a robbery. Angel Matias Castellanos Orellana, 19, is being sought over the rape of the girl earlier this month. He was taken into custody on Sunday after he robbed a man at Knife Point. This is in Kenner, which is a suburb of New Orleans. The girl met Castellanos on social media. The pair met up in the Susan Park neighborhood sometime in early February. Castellanos is accused of attacking the girl, holding a knife to her throat and raping her. After the victim reported the assault, detectives got a warrant for Castellano's address. Days later, the illegal immigrant accosted a man, demanded he hand over his property as he got out of his vehicle. He then stabbed the man multiple times in the face and his back. Miraculously, the victim survived and is recovering in a local hospital. Officers at the scene found Castellano Zorilano covered in the man's blood, standing in the middle of the street. Castellanos has been charged with armed robbery, aggravated battery, first-degree rape, aggravated assault for two incidences. A federal ICE detainer was also issued for him, police said. In the Facebook post, Kenner police said that local law enforcement agencies are often hindered when they're trying to deal with illegal immigrants because of the lack of documented identifiers. Noted that Castellanos... Has used aliases in the past, including the name Elvin Lockett. They also asked anyone with information on him to contact them. Kenner Police Department Chief Keith Conley. I heard him in an interview this morning. He is extremely frustrated that his hands are being tied concerning illegal immigrants and crime in the New Orleans, greater New Orleans area. Lack of access to data, false identification. Language barriers put local law enforcement at a huge disadvantage, he said. We can't verify if an illegal alien is giving correct information as it pertains to names and dates of birth. It's not only a drain on police manpower, but a financial drain on local law enforcement's budgets and tax money. In a 25-day period, this illegal alien caused terror in our small community. We're glad he's off our streets, but will he be back? Will he come back with a new identity? What other crimes has he committed since he crossed the southern border? Our new governor, Jeff Landry, was blunt, stating that Castellanos should never have been in Louisiana in the first place. Sharon and I, that's his wife, the governor's wife, and I are praying for the victims and their families who were harmed by this undocumented criminal This man should never have been in Louisiana. We must close our borders, keep our communities safe. Illegal immigration is now the number one issue in the United States during a presidential election year. Americans are incensed over President Biden, throwing our borders wide open, ushering in millions of illegal immigrants that include criminals and those even on the terrorist watch list, with predictable results. Nearly 7.3 million migrants have illegally crossed the southwest border on on Biden's watch, a number greater than the population of 36 of our 50 individual states. This incident comes on the same week that an illegal Salvadoran immigrant was arrested in connection to the murder of a toddler in Langley Park, Maryland. It also follows the murder of nursing student Lakin Riley in Georgia. That was done by a Venezuelan illegal immigrant. What do they expect? Did Joe Biden, Democrats in leadership, anybody in the nation, did they think this was just going to be a, oh, well, little bitty deal? Oh, we'll have some crimes. 430,000 felony acts committed against Texans alone in a two-year period by some of these illegals. And every bit of it can be stopped by Joe Biden. He's not going to stop it. He's refused to stop it. In fact, he started it. He's not going to stop it. That's what they want. They want to use this as a chance to build a permanent Democrat Party voting block that will allow them to have a permanent majority and have autocratic government control that they are 100% in charge of. And yet, they say Donald Trump wants to be an autocrat, a dictator. That's what he's going to do. That's what he's going to be. They're already doing it. Joe Biden's already doing it. Laughing about it. Sometimes it just makes me want to find a pla- uh, an island out in the middle of nowhere that I could just go live on, take those I love with me and those people I like, <laughs> go out there and live and be insulated from all this mess. But that won't result in any good stuff, even if I tried to do it, because somebody else at some point is going to want to come and Just take my little island away from me. (laughs) We have to stay and live where we are. That's what we've got to do. And we've got to work together to make where we are, make it what we really want it to be. And yeah, it takes time. It takes hard work. But you know what? The reward of doing the right things that result in living a good life safe, confident that you're in a good place, those people that you love, your family members, your friends, those that work with and for you are all okay. It's worth it. The extra work, it makes it worth it. I've got that 10-day-old great-granddaughter, Mariella, ...that I've got to think about now. Another generation of Newmans. (laughs) Oh, and her last name's not Newman. But she's still my great-granddaughter. If we don't do it for us, Dad gummit, let's do it for those people. Our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. Innocents out there that are caught up in this... ...not for anything they've done wrong, wrong, but the choices that other people have made that are directly impacting their lives. You just got to commit, double down, triple down. We're going to do the right stuff, period.
5: When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles you would stand three times your body weight, you treble your adrenaline production, you raise your heartbeat to
6: 180 times per minute, and in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game.
5: Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners.
0: Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make.
4: Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind.
1: Available in black-flavored lattes and iced coffee.
6: Hi, Tom
0: Bodette, quote, checking in on my smartphone. Everyone's checking in nowadays, at airports, restaurants, appointments with certain medical specialists. Seriously,
3: people, TMI. Anyway, thanks to the Motel 6 mobile app, you can book a clean, comfortable
0: room at Motel 6 on your smartphone and get a great rate. Then, when you get to Motel 6, you can check in, after you check in. Your friends will be totes jealous. I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. remember that song? Michael Franks. I think it was from 82. Your Secret's Safe With Me. That's a good song. That's one of those uh, smooth jazz songs I like. That's my favorite music genre. Well, whenever the Democrats are in power, they find ways to destroy everything they get their hands on. As DeRoy Murdoch said in a New York Post, Democrats are wreaking havoc, division, and devastation. No one exemplifies this better, or should I say worse, than New York State Attorney General Letitia James, who is a deranged racist who has achieved notoriety by basing her entire political career on an outlandish campaign to get Donald Trump. Ms. James gives fiery speeches. In every one of them, she accuses Trump of every conceivable wrongdoing under the sun. Her words and her behavior reek of uncontrollable anger. James is unabashedly racist and she's sexist. The country, she said, and I'm quoting her, is too male, too pale, and too stale, exposing her dislike of men and white people. Her behavior by itself, it's not unusual for those afflicted with Trump derangement syndrome. What makes James a standout is that she has used her office to bring Trump to within a hair's breadth of financial and political ruin. Actually, what we're watching happen there is a variation of Stalin in the 1930s. That's according to attorney Alan Dershowitz when the head of the KGB says to Stalin, show me the man, I'll find you the crime. This is show me the man, Donald Trump, and we'll find you fraud even if there was no harm. The absurdity of this Letitia James fraud case against Trump is that there's no crime, no victim. No one's been harmed. Nobody lost a buck. In fact, the banks that she supposedly is taking Trump on to protect them, every one of them in testimony said, he didn't cost us anything. He didn't do anything wrong. We want to do continual business more and more and more with Mr. Trump than we have already. Nobody got hurt. It's a weaponization of the legal system for political ends. That's it. As Shark Tank investor Kevin O'Leary observed, what Trump is alleged to have done, overvalued his real estate properties when applying for a bank loan, is normal business practice, always has been, all over the globe. The bank made money and is anxious to do business with him again. Obviously, Ms. James has no knowledge of what goes on in the real world. All she cares about is taking down a former president. Is there anybody out there who believes that this case would have been brought if Donald Trump were not the leading candidate to run against Joe Biden? This is selective prosecution, and it's absolutely wrong. James managed to find a judge. Who's crazy enough to hit Trump with a whopping $460 million fine, an amount greater than the gross national product of many countries? The damages, like the judge, are daft and asinine. That was Greg Jarrett saying that. Judge Ingeron wore his anti-Trump bias on his sleeve, arrogant, smug, obtuse, Mark Levin reminds us that the damages are in violation of the Eighth Amendment's prohibition of unreasonable fines and punishments. Hopefully, Judge Ingeron's judgment will be reversed on appeal. James doesn't seem to care that she's destroying New York's business future in the bargain. Her case means that New York's legal and financial integrity, they're permanently shattered. Capital comes to America because of the stability of the justice system. Seizing assets is what happens in places like Venezuela. It doesn't happen in New York. Prominent investors have already signaled their intent to stop doing business in the city. If this decision stands, said Trump attorney Alina Habba, it will serve as a signal to every single American that New York is no longer open for business. None of that matters to James, who is delighted to turn our nation into a banana republic. The Democrats are at a no-holds-barred time to unleash everything on Trump, no matter how much we determine the rule of law. They're going for broke because they're going to lose everything if Trump wins. They hate him. They can't stand the guy. They want to stop him from becoming president again and they're going to stoop to whatever level it takes. The irony is, James' assault, it might push Trump over the top. Many Trump critics are defending him against the Democrats in response to James's fraud case. By the way, when Trump is elected, he'll make all that money back. What have we learned from this? that someone with Trump's extraordinary accomplishments can be brought down by such a vile and inconsequential person as Letitia James. But Donald Trump's a survivor. Looking forward to James' reaction when Trump wins the election in November, as her head explodes, we will discover there's nothing inside but anger and vindictiveness. That's my two cents, folks. That's going to wrap up today's show. To. And I missed that particular click up. <laughs> I apologize for that. It's a good show. Steve Baker set to appear to be arrested tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock in Dallas. Pray for him tonight. We'll see you tomorrow
1: one look in your eyes and there I see just what you mean to me here in my heart I been. I promise.